Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet Oncology podcast. My name is Nikolai Humphreys. Today I'll be looking at a prospective study from Denmark of chemoradiotherapy as a definitive treatment for low rectal cancer. To take us through the paper, I'm joined by one of the authors, Anne Appelt. Hello Anne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Anne, could you start by introducing yourself? Of course. So uh, my name is Anne Appold and I'm a postdoctoral researcher at Vila Hospital, which is a regional hospital affiliated with the University of South Denmark. So I'm in the Department of Ecology and in the Department of Medical Physics there. Wonderful. Could you now tell us a little about the background of your study? Why is it important to investigate non-surgical methods for patients with low rectal cancer? So surgery is really like the mainstay of the treatment strategy for, for rectal cancer. And with modern TME surgery, we get very good local control rates. Uh, I think in many modern series, we see less than 10% overall local recurrence. And this becomes even better uh, when we add um, preoperative chemotherapy, sorry, preoperative radiotherapy or chemoradiotherapy. Um, but... While this is a very effective treatment, especially for patients with very low rectal cancer where we are using an APR, so a abdominal perineal resection, as a main procedure, this can be a rather mutilating procedure as well. Um, patients end up with a permanent stoma, and it is a very extensive operation, um, especially for patients who are elderly or comorbid. It might be a dangerous operation as well. So for those patients, it's, it's very attractive if we can find alternatives to the, the standard surgical treatment. It's, and when we talk with patients, they will often express a strong wish to uh, avoid a permanent stoma. Now, it has generally been accepted that adenocarcinomas of the rectums were sufficiently radioresistant that with this, the kind of standard radiotherapy doses that we can safely deliver in the pelvis, we were unable to achieve local control with radiotherapy alone. However, we also know that when, when patients undergo surgery after chemoradiotherapy, that a small proportion of the patients will demonstrate complete response in the pathological specimen. So we, we have this knowledge that a proportion of patients do actually respond very well to the chemoradiotherapy. But this is not a knowledge that's been, we've not really taken the consequence of this knowledge. So it was quite controversial when the Brazilian group led by Hapagama in Sao Paulo in the start of the 2000s published a series of patients where they were examining patients uh, right before the planned surgery. And then for patients who demonstrated complete clinical response to the treatment, they allowed those to, those to forego surgery and just undergo close follow-up and observation. And they demonstrated very good results in this uh, retrospective study. So around the same time that Harbour Gamma started publishing these results from Brazil, our group in Denmark started use of higher than standard radiation doses for treatment of rectal cancer. And the, really the, the most common tre treatment regimen for rectal cancer have, to, have been to treat most of the small pelvis, so all of the relevant lymph node stations, to around 45 to 50, 50 gray using external vibrator therapy. 
And it was thought, as I mentioned before, that higher doses than that um, would probably produce unacceptable toxicity. But a lot of this experience was based on 2D non-conformal techniques. And we found that if we used modern conformal radiotherapy techniques, we seem to be able to increase the dose delivered uh, to the tumor without actually getting unacceptable rates of toxicity. So we decided on, on combining our approach with higher than normal radiotherapy doses with the Habergama approach of allowing patients with complete response to undergo observations and planned a prospective study based on that. Thank you. Could you now explain the main findings of your study? How does the use of a higher dose of radiotherapy and a more intensive chemo-radiotherapy chemo regimen compare to other studies that have used the same approach in treating this subset of patients? So what we did was that we included patients up front prior to chemo-radiotherapy. And then, as I mentioned before, we did, and as you alluded to, we adapted our treatment regimen to, be, um, to specifically aim to get as high a rate as responders as possible. And so, um, as I said before, the, the standard treatment has been to treat to around 50 gray to the entire pelvis. And we continued treating the lymph nodes to 50 gray, but then we used modern intensity-based modu uh, intensity modulated radiotherapy to boost the dose to the tumor up to 60 gray. And then on top of that, we added a brachytherapy boost of 5 gray. So we got uh, up toward 66 gray delivered to the tumor. Uh, so, so quite a lot higher uh, radiotherapy doses than what would normally be used. The chemotherapy regimen, on the other hand, we kept pretty standard. We used a, um, UFT-based chemotherapy, which is comparable to the standard 5-FU regimens that most people will use. Now, we included uh, 51 patients in the trial uh, who were treated according to protocol. And at the end of, of treatment and when we evaluated patients six weeks after the final day of chemoradiotherapy, we actually found that 40 of those patients demonstrated complete clinical response to the treatment, so a rather substantial proportion of the patients. And for those patients, we then allowed them to, to undergo observations rather than being sent for surgery and then follow them really closely. And we found that about a quarter of them developed tumor regrowth in the rectal lumen uh, during the, the follow-up, all of them within the first two years of follow-up. And those patients we sent just for salvage surgery, which was based on exactly the same principle as a standard primary rectal cancer surgery. And this, this seems to be a pretty successful approach. So uh, at the time that we um, analyzed the data for this report, we had over half of the patients treated on trial who were actually still, uh, still were without surgery and had avo uh, managed to avoid surgery. So those, this is really the main finding. The, I think this, the main secondary finding relates to the toxicity in the patients or the functional outcome amongst the patients who uh, underwent observation. One could fear with these very high radiation doses that we delivered that the sphincter function would be severely um, limited or severely affected. And we found that was not the case. Uh, we 
uh, analyze quality of life by having the patients fill out the EORTC uh, colorectal cancer-specific uh, questionnaire, and very few of them reported any severe fecal incontinence. And additionally, when we did the physician scored fecal incontinence using the Yogi Wexner score, that was also very good, we found. First of all, a substantial proportion of the patients could uh, avoid surgery and they could avoid a permanent stoma. And secondly, uh, they seem to have a pretty good functional outcome. I'm interested to know what the limitations in adopting a watchful waiting approach are and also how will issues such as long-term toxicity and distant metastasis potentially impact long-term outcome? I think uh, it's important to recognize, first of all, the limitations of our study and secondly, what kind of limitations there might be in terms of expanding this approach uh, into kind of a general clinical practice. So our study, the, the really big limitation is the limited size. So we only treated just over 50 patients, uh, which was far fewer than initially planned and in general just a small group uh, if we want to generalize um, the conclusions from the study. Uh, secondly, we have not followed the patients for that long. Uh, we have we follow them as long as was planned for the primary endpoint reporting, um, and we have a medium follow-up of just about two years in the observation group. So I think we have a pretty good idea of the um, proportion of tumor regrowth that we will see in the observation group. But there, there could still be uh, a risk that by allowing some patients who might still have small subclinical tumor deposit in the rectal wall to undergo observation and then they'll later get tumor regrowth, that by, by doing that, that we might increase their risk of get distant metastasis. And I think in order to, to see any increase in the rate of distant metastasis, we really need to follow patients for quite a lot longer. We do know that distance metastasis can occur much later for this group of patients, at least when we look at patients treated with standard surgery. So, so that's something we really need to keep in mind. Um, secondly, for, for our study specifically and for the approach of using high-dose radiotherapy for maximizing the rate of complete responders, even though we had pretty good data for, for toxicity and functional outcome in the uh, observation group, we had very limited data for the patients undergoing surgery. And so we don't know whether these patients have had an increased late toxicity after surgery due to the high-dose radiotherapy. Uh, and they never got, by, by having to go under, undergo surgery anyway, they never got an advantage of this altern, uh, altered um, radiotherapy regimen. So that's another limitation. I think in terms of a more general um, adopt, adaptation of a watchful waiting approach, what we've seen is that we treated patients in a single center and the patients in the observation cohort were followed in a single center. So we've been able to keep patient assessment and evaluation and uh, the follow-up uh, within a, a relatively small group of oncologists and surgeons who have been able to develop an expertise in seeing these patients. And we have found that it is really a question, there is really quite a bit of a learning curve in recognizing a complete responder and in recognizing a local recurrence. I think if we are to 
extend this approach into more centers, it still needs to be kept in pretty specialized centers where you have a multidisciplinary team who can evaluate the patients. I'm not sure this is something that's ready for general clinical practice at this point. Thank you. My final question, looking to the future, what steps should be taken before this strategy is safely incorporated into medical practice for this selection of patients? So our, our report was based on a single center experience in terms of treating and following these patients and other reports in the literature. So we, we, need, we, need, to, um, we need to figure out how to uh, define clear criteria for assessment and response and follow-up that can be used in multiple teams and that can produce consistent results. Uh, secondly, we need to look at how to use incorporate imaging into this, uh, into the follow-up and into the response assessment. We used uh, MRI and PET CT in in our study, but there's been some really interesting studies coming out, especially from the Dutch and from the UK centres, where they've looked at especially diffusion-weighted MRI and other term, time other types of functional and MRI for evaluating these patients. And I think we need to look at how this can be incorporated. Ultimately, we might need uh, to conduct phase three trials of this treatment strategy if we want to get a, a good idea of whether there is any increase, for example, in the risk of distance metastasis by uh, allowing some patients uh, to undergo observations with the risk of them having remaining tumor cells in situ who might possibly be able to influence the, the risk of later tumor recurrence. Going back to the experiences from our trial, we used a combination of external beam radiotherapy plus a brachytherapy tumor boost to really increase the radiation dose. And was while we did not see any increase in the types of toxicity that we could have feared, for example, fecal incontinence and in general sphincter function, we did see an increase. Uh, we did see a number of patients who demonstrated uh, chronic rectal bleeding in the follow-up uh, period. And so we need to reevaluate whether brachytherapy is really the best approach for tumor boosting. And we might need to might have to accept that there can be certain types of toxicity that will be the price to pay. Going back to the results from our trial, we found that while the types of toxicity that we had feared that we might see with the high-dose radiotherapy, so such as fecal incontinence and general deterioration of sphincter function, that was not something we saw. On the other hand, we did see that a lot of patients in the observation group had chronic rectal bleeding, which was likely due to the high dose delivered to the rectal mucosa from the brachytherapy. Now, that means that we might have to reevaluate whether there are other ways of increasing the tumor dose if we want to use high-dose radiotherapy, whether we should use external beam radiotherapy alone, and we are actually currently initiating a multicenter trial that will test that, or whether we should use other ways of tumor boosting. But I do think that in this case, if we want to deliver tumor doses high enough to be able to provide tumor control without surgery, for a relatively large portion of patients, we might have to accept that there will be some toxicity from the radiotherapy. 
And I think we need to weight that toxicity be, uh, against the expected morbidity or, uh, or mortality even from extensive primary surgery. So in the end, this might come down to a weighting between um, the expected tumor control and the expected toxicity. And this, in the end, becomes a shared decision process between the patients and the physicians. Um, I think this will, this will be a question of the individual patient preference, whether they uh, accept the increased risk of toxicity uh, against an increased probability of avoiding surgery and avoiding a permanent stoma. And Apple, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me on the Lancet Oncology Podcast. You're very welcome.